I just want to showcase different ways people are being creative and bringing a playful mindset into what they're doing. So it's it's really looking at similar to this kind of creative processes, but also ways that we can think differently about creativity and how we can incorporate more playfulness and creativity in our lives. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at Mike Bone or on my website, which is mikebrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by dailycreativehabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Hey, I love it when I get to sit down with a fellow visual artist and creator. And that is the case today on this episode. I get to sit down with Sarah Moyle and she is a creative who really loves to envision what she wants to do and then sets out to actually create those opportunities. You know, for many of us, we are looking for the perfect role, the perfect position, the perfect opportunity that would invite us in so that there's a natural fit between what we do creatively and what someone is looking for. But so often, especially us creative types, we can feel like, you know, the misfit, right? We can feel like what we have to offer doesn't quite fit in the puzzle piece where it needs to. And um, I love Sarah's story because she just gets these ideas, these visions of what she wants to see happen and creates those opportunities, figures out how to create positions where there weren't positions. And we talk about uh, how she brought in graphic recording into her corporate role, as well as some facilitation on creativity and play. And I just love Sarah's tenacity to be able to keep explaining to people the value of what it is that she does and brings to the table and makes the way for her creativity, doesn't wait to be invited to the table, but instead looks to see what kind of conversation she needs to have and with who. So I hope this conversation gets you thinking maybe in some directions in which you wouldn't normally think. Perhaps there's a way forward for you 
that is off the beaten path. Maybe it is calling you to step out and use your creativity in creating opportunities where there maybe seems like there aren't any. So be encouraged by our conversation today. Without further ado, here is my creative chat with Sarah Moyle. Well, Sarah, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Yay, I'm happy to be here. Yes, it's a fellow visual artist. I'm always like excited when we get to kind of geek out about this stuff. (laughs) Oh, yes. There is nothing I would rather talk about more than this stuff. So I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I just have so many things that I want to get into with you. But before we dive too deep into the pool, why don't you, for the sake of the listeners, just give that little snapshot of like, who are you? What do you do? Sure. Um, My name is Sarah. I'm based out of Portland, Oregon. And primarily my by day, I work at Intel and I do a job that I made up for myself about 10 years ago, which I call myself a visual storyteller and creative catalyst. Mm. And what that means is I specialize in two things, helping our employees, our leadership, explain complicated things to our employees and tell stories in engaging in highly visual ways. And I also try to encourage people to tap into their playful and curious side. So I facilitate a lot of meetings, creative problem solving meetings using playful and artistic methods. Mm, I love that. I love that. And there are so many questions formulating already. (laughs) (laughs) I try and get those engineers to loosen up a little bit. And I like to say, (laughs) I've been here making engineers uncomfortable since 2010. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Cool. So um, I'm curious, let's let's dial things back even further than, you know, you you coming into this role. Like, so were you a creative kid? Were you someone who was drawing, painting, doing all those things? Like, when was the first time you remember thinking to yourself, like, Wow, I'm creative. I really enjoy this. Well, so I've always I've always drawn and painted and um I have a lot of memories from my uh elementary school years where everyone and and beyond, but everyone always thought I was a teacher's pet because I would go above and beyond to make my projects special and cool. Mm-hmm. But really, it was for it was for me. I was really just all in on the creative process. Like one year, we in middle school, we mummified chickens because we're studying <laughs> Egypt, and um, I made a whole paper mache sarcophagus for the the chicken. Wait, <laughs> no, we're not talking about real chickens here, right? Real chickens. <gasps> no. Yeah, we mummified chickens in. What grade was this? sixth grade maybe wow yeah that's kind of interesting and creepy at the same time (laughs) i mean it wasn't like a like a full chicken it was like the one you'd buy at the grocery store okay but um yeah it was it was really cool hands-on project (laughs) yeah wow so stuff like that (laughs) okay okay and so did you then know that this is something you wanted to pursue as far as a career early on i uh 
my other side, I'm also a big animal lover. So I had the idea in my head, which is probably something a lot of people hear often, is that it's impossible to make a living doing art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was planning to pursue the veterinary science side of my interests. And while I was in pre-veterinary school, I started working at a clinic to see if it was really what I wanted to do. And I decided it was not, Hmm. um, loved it. It was super interesting, but I was also paying attention to the work-life balance aspect of the doctors, which was not what I wanted. I wanted something more balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, I kind of wandered into psychology and that's what I ended up getting my degree in and decided I didn't want to be a therapist. And so then that led me to HR. And um, from there, about a year in, I was feeling really starved for creativity at work. It was just, it was okay, but there was something missing for me. And so I started looking for ways that I could bring my talents and passions into the work I was doing. And I pitched this idea of a new role to my manager. I positioned it as being an explainer, Hmm. but I wanted to use, I wanted to do whiteboard animation videos and graphic recording and like strategy maps. So a lot of that visual thinking type of work. And my manager at the time said, oh, that's really cool, but I just accepted a job outside of the company. So take it up with the next, (laughs) take it up with the next boss. Um, And as these things go, sometimes it takes a few months to find the right manager to lead a a team when someone leaves unexpectedly. So I had a good chunk of time where our team didn't have a lot of work and objectives to do to work on as we were waiting for a new boss. Um, So I just started reaching out to my network and saying, Hey, I'm really interested in trying this out. Would you, do you have anything that I could, you know, test it on? And so by the time they finally hired a new manager, I had a bunch of case studies where it had gone really well and been wildly successful. So I was able to then make the case even stronger when the new manager came um, as to why this was important and valuable. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because not everyone would have the guts to say, hey, I want to create a new position, right? (laughs) You know, there's there's something here that's not necessarily aligned. There's something I want to do and try. And the fact that, first off, you didn't, it sounds like you didn't really have any um, experience necessarily related to some of the things you wanted to introduce first. So you started talking about it before it was actually a thing, right? <laughs> yep. And then to be able to step into a gap that presented itself and say, well, we're going to use this now for our advantage to prove that this can actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about how you approached the conversation. You you said, um, you didn't come out of the gate saying like, Hey, we want to like draw and we want to do fun things. And we want to like, you didn't front load it with all that. Like that was the, uh, the methodology, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. Right. But it was more like problem solving and, and, um, 
so like explain your thought process going into that conversation contextualizing yeah. this for somebody who like maybe doesn't really care about creativity doesn't care about art doesn't care about those kind of things because mm -hmm. maybe they're too like fluffy and you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yes soft skills exactly yes <laughs> um so i identified this gap because we have a communications team internal at intel but they're very much more like news reporters they let us know what's going on in the organization you know the new technology that we're working on that kind of stuff and then we also have our folks that do training for employees but we didn't really have anyone that specialized in taking really complex things and breaking it down in a really easy to engage with way and so that's why I that's why I pitched it as an explainer role to start with. Hmm. Um, and at the time, I was in an in a team within HR that was focused on user experience for our HR products and services. And so I said, you know, how our employees receive information and understand information is also a big part of the, that experience. And so I was able to tie it into the work and the goals of our team and also the gap that I saw across the company. Mm. Um, and there's pros and cons to being a unique, <laughs> having a unique made up job, a mm -hmm. uh, creative job in an engineering, highly technical environment. Um, the pros are that I stood out and quickly became seen as a thought leader. Mm -hmm. So that, <clears throat> and the nature of the work with graphic recording, which for those who don't know is, taking visual notes. So no, notes with a lot of drawing and often pre-COVID, it would be in person at a leadership conference or other conference and actually up on the stage on a big four foot by eight foot poster board. And so having that platform in those places where we had a lot of leadership really helped me be connected. At the time I was fairly junior a fairly junior employee. So it afforded me a lot of connection opportunities and visibility. The downside is that there are times when, so I would have leadership that understood the value of what I brought to the table, supported me, but People move around all the time or retire or, you know, take an outside job. So as new leaders would come in to wherever I was currently in the organization, sometimes they just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Or they were very focused on, nope, these are the roles we have and want to pay for and everything else is extra. So I, I had to be really good at reading the tea leaves and how leadership were perceiving me, reacting mm -hmm. to me, to know when it was time to reach out to my network again and find a new spot. 
So I call it the corporate antibodies sometimes come after you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I've, I'm in a really good spot right now, which is an internal consulting agency. So hmm. yeah, it's really good fit. So you're essentially having to reinvent yourself every time a new um, <laughs> leadership comes in and doesn't quite get what you do or wants to do things differently, huh? Or move somewhere else in the yeah. company that that does get it. Um, and the funny part, too, is there aren't job postings open for <laughs> what I do anyway. Right. Yeah. So people have to really want to take me on and create a, you know, a spot just for me. So. Right. Right. Well, I yeah. would assume that now you said you've been doing this for 10 years. Is yeah. that correct? Okay. Mm -hmm. So earlier on, I'm sure you had more of an uphill battle because you're trying to prove yes. that this is actually something of value and that people can see and connect dots. Mm -hmm. um, and so over time you've built that up and at least can point to here's some results. Here's how this is effective. And so maybe it's a little less uh, intense to convince somebody, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I so, am. I am trying. I feel like I'm starting over a little bit as I've added this thing called Lego Serious Play, which is yeah. a creative problem solving method that it taps into the way our brains are wired. So the science shows that when we use our hands or when we engage as many senses as we can in whatever we're doing, we connect more deeply with the material. So what Lego Serious Play has you do is the facilitator poses a challenge to the group and they build something to represent that a response to that challenge. And then they we go around and they take turns sharing a story about it. So it gets people building with their hands, listening and looking at the models and telling a story about it, which just provides this really rich level of detail and nuance around whatever it is they're talking about. And it also really encourages, it feels like a very safe um environment and people share really personal things sometimes. And so there's team building, team building built in mm. to whatever you do. Yeah. It's just yeah. really, it's a magical thing. Yeah. Um, but it's different right. and it takes a little longer. It takes more time. Um, so I'm trying right now, I'm trying to, I was getting it going pretty well. And then COVID happened, mm, yeah. which it's, it kind of works virtually. It's better in person. So that kind of put a damper on it. And now I'm post COVID trying to re-engage uh, and do more and more of it because it's my absolute favorite thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about it because there's a couple of things that, that I really would love to know more about in regards to that for let's start at the place of, okay. So you're talking about sitting in a room with people with a pile of Legos and giving them this assignment to storytell. Can you give me like an example of what something would look like that you're leading somebody through? Like what kind of storytelling? Yeah. What is that like? What is that related to? 
it's the nice thing is it's a really ambiguous methodology. So it can be applied to a lot of different things. When you go and, and get certified in it, the first thing they teach you is uh, they call it teams and groups. And this is strategic play is the company that, that trains and certifies people in Lego series play. And I'm also a trainer for them mm-hmm. as well. So <clears throat> The first one they do is teams and groups, which is a team cohesion type of, of, of workshop. And you end up with simple guiding principles for how the team wants to behave and, and be with each other. But I've done really technical things too, like a software retrospective or a stakeholder map um, process improvement, all kinds of things with Legos, with Lego. Yeah. How does that, how does that translate? There's a disconnect happening here. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so like, you know, so, I mean, I, I can understand if you said like, here's a pile of Legos, build something out of your imagination and then tell a story around it. Like, what is it? Why is it important? And that kind of thing. Like that makes mm-hmm. sense to me. But like when you're talking about very specific problems that a team's trying to solve, and then you're saying, okay, now we're introducing Legos, like, okay, mm-hmm. fill in the gaps here for me. So what people are building is essentially a metaphor. And so it's not usually an like you're building an object, like you're not building a a boat. You're mm-hmm. building you're building we're all in the same boat. So it's it's really tapping into it's it's like what you would write on a sticky note except way 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 more detail and interesting and yeah it's it's hard to explain without (laughs) experiencing it um but if you have a good facilitator doing it and you have people that are willing to give it a try, it can be wonderful. Actually, even if you have people that are begrudgingly giving it a try, <laughs> because yeah. I I kind of get three reactions when I come in to facilitate. Some people are like, yes, let's do this. I'm ready. Let's, let's go. I'm excited. Some people are scared because they don't feel like they're creative enough or right. they're not comfortable. They've never played with Lego. Um, and the third is like this is dumb this mm-hmm. is a waste of time we're playing like but the funny thing is those people after the session usually become the biggest advocates for it because as they're <laughs> as they're taken through it they see the value yeah, yeah yeah we i win them over do you ever like call that out in the room beforehand kind of saying like okay here's some legos i know some of you are going to roll your eyes right now and be like you know this is stupid whatever but trust me there's a process at work here like or do you just kind of go with it and go and eh, i'll win them i set um i set some ground rules for what how things are going to go down i don't call anybody out for sure but i sometimes will talk about how we're doing something very different from a normal day. And sometimes with that comes some growing pains. And there's actually a, a, a 
model by um chick sent me high called flow flow mm-hmm. theory um where it talks about your skill level and the challenge at hand and so i usually talk them through that as well because we want people to go kind of back and forth dipping into zones of anxiety and zones of boredom and in between is called the flow zone so we want people kind of dipping in and out of that through the session because that's when you stay the most engaged and I talk about how if they're bored, that's their responsibility to re-engage themselves by asking questions and getting themselves back involved. Um, and the anxiety part is on me if I'm making it too challenging. Too challenging. <laughs> but um, the way these sessions are structured, it's very intentional. At the beginning, we spend a lot of time building people's comfort with both building working with the material and telling stories. So it's an escalating series of challenges before we get to the real meat of the session. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard you mention that there's, so you get training for this. This isn't just yes. stuff that you're coming up with on your own. Um, and so these are proven methods and they're teaching you different contexts of depending upon what you're trying to focus on, right? Whether it's team building mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so these become tools in your toolbox, right? Yep. Um, ha- what does this certification look like? Uh, they are usually two to three days of training um, that you go to all day and they do online ones as well. But if you can make it to the in-person, it's much, I, I think, much richer experience. Um, and out of the training, you un- you learn the... You learn the framework, you come out with an agenda for whatever that uh, training is on, what the use that that training is on. And like the first one, you come away with a little kit of Lego too. But you, if you're facilitating a session, you need to buy more. (laughs) Sure. I'm assuming that there's probably some kind of... uh discount program or something that because you're a part of, or hopefully there's some kind of. <laughs> they, so, the, so this method was developed by Lego when they uh-huh. were going through some big organizational changes themselves. And they said, Hey, we should be drinking our own champagne and using what we, what we make. And so for a, for a while, it was very closely guarded by them and there was a annual fee you had to pay to be a facilitator you had to use brand new lego every time there were a lot of rules um then they decided to make it more open source so there's a lot less rules you are still supposed to get officially certified to do it um but it's much less restrictive and so you learn these frameworks but then you can also apply it to a lot of different things Mm. and there's not unfortunately there's not a lego discount but they do have a great rewards program so when you are buying a lot of lego it does help out 
Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you were certified to um, instruct this as well, like teach others to do this process? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's an extra step of you just going through this, learning these skills for your own purposes, and then saying, hey, now I want to actually empower other people to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and you do this through that organization? Yes, through strategic play. Nice, nice. Yeah. I love how you're always looking for that thing to adapt into and kind of make part of your process, make another tool in your toolbox. And even if there's something that doesn't seem to have existed, you're like, hey, this is an opportunity to make something out of nothing. I mean, that's really at the core of creativity anyway, right? Um, you're visualizing this and saying, this can be something here. And then you go for it. And uh, I just want to applaud that because that's oh, super encouraging. And I think, you know, it's important for even the listeners to hear right now to, to be like, you know, somebody may be thinking of something that they would love to do, but there are so many obstacles or maybe a lack of what they have as a, a opportunity, right? And that would shut it down. But mm -hmm. your story, your experiences encourage people like press into that, figure out where the opportunity is and make it if you have to, right? Yeah, I like to tell people that very few jobs are 100% set in stone. So maybe you can't totally change your entire responsibilities and, and role, but there's usually wiggle room to at least incorporate some of what you're super passionate about. Um, and, you know, as you know, if that goes well, there's probably room to continue to expand that. Um, and I, I also, I just put together a talk, um, about creative ideation and the power of pause. And as I was going through that and just talking about that creative ideation process while implementing it to make the talk, uh, I came up with a few mindset rules for myself. Hmm which I think would be good to share. Sure. Um, one of them is be curious and playful like a child. And so not childish, but childlike in how you right. look at the world. Um, really take the time to experience what's going on around you because inspiration can come from anywhere. And we're often so distracted by our devices, by our busy schedules that we don't stop to smell the roses anymore. Um, but smells, sights, sounds, you never know what's going to trigger something in your brain. So that's one. Be curious like a child. Another is experiment like a scientist. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to test things, prototype re go back and change things and test it again, iterate over and over, um, and fail sometimes because you learn something every time you fail. And then a third is steal like an artist, mm -hmm. which is also a book by Austin Cleon. Yes. Great um, book. great book. And it, it's the idea that you don't always have to come up with everything completely original because most of the things have been done and that's okay. And it's okay to borrow things that you like and combine them in new ways. Um, 
because often innovation is not something completely out of the blue. It's an improvement or a new combination of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those were some of the some of my mindset rules that I realized I follow, but hadn't hadn't really put pen to paper on them before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun when you have these thoughts, you have these experiences, and you boil it down into something that's like this um, either motto or something that's a little more portable, right? As far as a saying, and then you realize like, oh, like this is actually a thing that like, maybe there are even other people like Austin Kleon has the book, right? Mm -hmm. Like other people may be talking about these things, but the fact that I'm experiencing them and even experienced it outside the knowledge of some of these other people talking about that just goes to show you that it like, this is not just me having a fluke experience, but this Mm -hmm. is actually a very real part of the process and the thinking, the mindset, uh, the way that you approach creativity and all its forms. So um, I love when those things happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would love to to know a little more too about graphic recording, right? So Mm -hmm. your, you said this was um, your opportunity to be able to get with leadership. Uh, I've, I've seen this live too. I do live sketching, but different than that. Um, and in, in this moment when you're on stage and you're sketching out these icons and this information flow, right? Do you have access to that information ahead of time? So you are already thinking about like icons and thinking about like what the layout may look like, or is this all happening on the fly? Mostly on the fly, uh, especially now. When I was first starting out, I would ask for it ahead of time because I wanted that safety net. Right. And even the very first one I ever did, because it was an experiment, I'd never done it before. And my customer was also a little bit nervous. We planned it out ahead of time. So I then just had to copy my my draft of it on the board. Right. Um, so there's things you can do to 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 bring the that anxiety level down if you're just starting out. But now I generally don't. I I do ask if there's anything that they absolutely want to make sure that's on there or not on there ahead of time, so I know. Um, you you kind of develop an ear though over mm-hmm. time is like what's appropriate. So sometimes things will come up and you're like, Ooh, I don't don't know. But a a big thing that I listen for is how the audience is reacting Mm -hmm. to the information. So if there's something that they have a big emotional reaction to, whether it's laughing or like shock or uh, sadness, I make sure I visualize that because I know the combination of that emotion that they felt with the visual will be like the most memorable and powerful thing. Hmm. So it's a great tool because people can see it unfolding as it's happening. So they're again, creating more anchors in their memory as Mm -hmm. to what, as to the context of what's happening or what's being presented when they're, when they're visualizing it at the same time, people often Or sometimes they're like, well, you know, I don't want it to be distracting. I don't want to take away from the presenter. And I tell them people's eyes are going to wander anyways during the course of a presentation. 
you might as well have them wander onto something that's reflecting more of that content back to them. Right. Um, and people just are really interested to watch it, watch it happen. And then it's also a wonderful pass down tool after mm-hmm. to send out and people, you know, instead of getting pages of just bulleted notes that people probably won't read again, people actually like to look for all the little Easter eggs in the the picture and they get excited about it. People print them out, they send them to other people. Um, so it's just a much more engaging way to get a summary out to people afterwards. Mm. Have you ever had a time when you're like thinking, oh, I really want to draw this as a little scene or whatever, but you need some kind of visual reference because what you're seeing in your head isn't enough. And what do you do in that moment? <laughs> yeah. Um, Google images is a great okay. tool. <laughs> so <clears throat> I tell people as I teach a visual note taking course too. Um, and I tell people if they're stuck or they can't really come up with something, add the words icon, cartoon, or um clip art to whatever it is they're searching. And then you often will get like a simplified version of, of that concept. And sometimes you may not get exactly what you need, but you can combine a couple ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that we have AI <laughs> right. that I haven't used it for that myself, but um, I could see that being a great tool too for some of those more abstract ideas yeah 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 and as far far as like content how important is it that you actually know something about what people are talking about right like say it's a complete different industry that you have no connection to Mm -hmm. no knowledge of and so knowing what the key points are even may be challenging like how how do you handle that the funny thing is, so I'm not an engineer mm-hmm. and I don't understand the technical jargon and information often, but that's usually not what they're talking about at these keynote talks. It's usually higher level stuff and usually it can, <laughs> I laugh because I would go to to leadership summits for all the different groups, engineering groups in our company. And people are always like, wow, I can't believe you, you understand and can keep up. And I'm like, you're all talking about the same things yeah. <laughs> to go faster, work better together, break down right. silos, you know, meet the financial goals. Like it's all the same thing. So um, I find that I can be a method expert. I don't need to be a subject matter expert. Hmm. That being said, we had a guest, we had John Deere come in one time and do a guest talk. And I was like, well, I kind of know what tractors look like, but I want to make sure I know what their tractors look like. So I did some research ahead of time. I knew they were coming in. I was like, tractors are going to come up. So, um, I printed out a couple little thumbnails to bring with me so that I could accurately draw their tractors. So stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Little tips and hacks. Yeah. 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 I guess it's like anything else that once you're in it, you have to problem solve. And then also once you do things enough, you start to have 
things that you move through quick enough because you're like, oh, I know how to deal with this because I dealt with this in a different context, you know, previously. So, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And the, awesome. I think the the chat more challenging part is knowing what to put down because right. you can't capture everything. Um, so being comfortable waiting and listening to see where's, you know, where, where is this going? Um, is a, a skill that you develop as you practice. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. Uh, I appreciate you giving us a little peek inside that process. And I know many people are fascinated when they see that, but then they also go like, yeah, I have no context for even how that happens. I just enjoy the end result or the process as it unfolds. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a translator who was doing like ESL or ASL, sorry, American okay. Sign Language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, we were like, we kind of have the same job. We're listening and then translating it into another language. Yeah. Um, because that's how, that's what I feel like. I'm really just like a conduit when I'm up there. Um, turning it into another form. Yeah. That's uh, I've often used that term like visual vocabulary Yeah, you know, where you're, you're building that with people so that they, there are shortcuts and there are ways of, into information that might not happen easily with a lot of words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of words too. Um, so you have a podcast, uh, and I want to make sure that we, we get that to people. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the podcast? Yeah, it's, uh, called the playful creative. And the premise is that I just want to showcase different ways people are being creative and bringing a playful mindset into what they're doing. So it's, it's really looking at similar to this kind of creative processes, but also ways that we can think differently about creativity and how we can incorporate more playfulness and creativity in our lives. Um, Love it. Yeah. And so there's a few episodes I've done and I'm planning to do a bunch more and things like scientists, prosthetics, makers, um, lots of different interesting folks. That's awesome. So. Well, and I highly encourage you as the listener right now, be sure to go and subscribe to this other podcast as well of Sarah's um, because, hey, you're listening to a podcast right now about creativity. And uh, I'm sure that you will bring some some insights and especially speaking to some of the folks you just mentioned. Uh, that's I love that you're looking for creativity and play in places that aren't wh where people would normally think to go. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be amazing conversations. So um, I'm assuming that this is on all streaming platforms. Yes. It's going to be very soon. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And the name of it is once again, is the, is the, playful. the playful creative. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I am, uh, I'm sending people there now. So uh, <laughs> hopefully that people will continue to be encouraged in their own creativity and be challenged by a lot of the things that you're doing personally and how you're bringing light to these things where uh, other people are in other fields. So um, yeah. I want to thank you so much for this time today, Sarah. I mean, it's been awesome and uh, it's been so encouraging and insightful. 
And uh, again, I just love how you have um, you've you've used your imagination and creativity to bring into the world something in terms of your work and what that looks like, where there wasn't necessarily a path. And um, that even in and of itself, getting people thinking, oh, there is possibility. Even if there's mm -hmm. someone who feels like they're stuck in a job right now that has nothing to do with their creativity, you challenge them today to say, there's most likely a way that you can introduce your creativity into that role in some way. It's not an either or. It's not like you have to leave this field or this job and then go get something else. You know, think, use your creativity for that kind of problem solving. So um, that's awesome. And thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. And sometimes it's even better. I, do, I to be doing something unusual in the role that you're in. Uh, I don't think I would have had as much visibility if I had gone and worked at a creative firm because right. there's a lot of people who are talented and doing similar work in the artistic way sure. there. So um, don't be afraid to stand out. Yeah. Make your own path. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you. And I'm excited to have you on my podcast very soon. Yes, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that also. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.